Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our post-Thanksgiving broadcast. I trust you are continuing to be grateful for all that's good in your life. I joined my heart with an online group of believers around the world in a season called the Gratitude Challenge, which ran through this past week. It has a subtitle, Five Days of Cultivating Gratitude in the Day-to-Day. It's been an amazing ride. I want to keep it going for today and every day that I have here on earth left. I'm not sure how many of those days remain. They're piling up in my case. If you're hearing this broadcast, this message of mine, on Sunday, November 27th, then you are in my celebration space. You're celebrating with me my 91st birthday. So you can understand what I mean when I say I anticipate not having that many years or days to praise God here on earth. In any case, I invite you to hop onto the praise train. Life is better with an attitude of gratitude. Let's just thank God right now. I know it's been a week of bloodbaths here and there, but let's thank him for all the good we are the recipients of. Father in heaven, we lift our hearts in thankfulness to you today. We thank you for the things that work well. And we know you are providing grace for the things that didn't work well. We pray for those families who are devastated by the reckless abandon that killers have taken this past week here at home and all around the world. Lord our God, we pray that you would deliver your people Bring us through this valley of the shadow of death. Help us to shine in a dark world. Help us to be light in places of darkness. We thank you for the gift of fellowship, the gift of your Son, and for the gift of our great salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week I promised we would go back to the words recorded in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. It's part of the story we have been examining, which featured Satan and Eve and Adam and Almighty God. Remember, we outlined this Genesis 3 study as Satan the deceiver, Eve the deceived, Adam the deluded, and God the detector and deliverer. The narrative continued on after that. The Lord God called out to Adam in Genesis 3 verse 9. 
and the admission of fear and guilt and the confession of sin, sin being the willful disobedience to God's sacred command. It also includes the thought of overstepping God's boundary lines. All aspects of sin are on display as Adam and Eve began to play the blame game. The devil let me do it. Except that this was not a game at all. It was the admission of guilt by a fallen Adam and a fallen Eve. That portion covers verses 9 to 13. The woman, the man, the devil. My friend, God is looking. God is listening. He's doing it all the time. Between verses 14 and 19, the sentence phase kicks in. And it reads like that of a judge in a courtroom. The difference is that this was no ordinary courtroom. This was Almighty God, the judge of all the earth, speaking. The defendant has pleaded guilty before the judge of all the earth. In this very book of Genesis, Abram acknowledged that the God of creation was also the God of the judge of all the earth. And he said, the judge of all the earth will only do the right thing. And he's holy. And yes, he will judge our sin. And the consequences are harsh. They're devastating. That same sentence prevails today. And our just God requires a payment. A payment we can't escape. But for which he has made a provision. In the King James Version, it says, Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Oh, how easy it is for us to just read that verse and let it go and read on. It is an actual prophecy, a type of great and greater act of divine mercy and grace. And I'd like us to see it that way. Let's pause for just a moment. The first question I ask myself is, how long were Adam and Eve in the garden before this actually happened? I haven't found any answer that satisfies my interest. I have come to accept the divine record and conclude that that was not important in God's scheme of things. What I suggest for us to ask the far more important question, what is God? What is God? What is God saying to us in this passage? And in more particularly, what is God saying about these coats of skin? Coats of skin. Let me share with you one response to such a question. And I'm going to quote from the commentary of Matthew Henry. In his precise commentary, he has this to say. God named a man and called him Adam, which signifies red earth. Adam named the woman and called her Eve. That is life. Adam bears the name of the dying body. Eve, the name of the living soul. Adam probably had regard to the blessing of the Redeemer, the promised seed, in calling his wife Eve, or life, for he should be life of all believers, 
and in him all the families of the earth should be blessed. See also God's care for our first parents, notwithstanding their sin. He clothes them in he he clothes them with their sin. Little reason have we to be proud of our clothes, which are but the badges of our shame. When God made clothes for our first parents, he made them warm and strong, but coarse and very plain. Not robes of scarlet, but coats of skin. Let those that are meanly clad learn from the henceforth not to complain. Having food and covering, let them be content. They are as well off as Adam and Eve were. And let those that are finely clad learn not to make the putting on of apparel their adorning. The beasts from whose skins they were clothed, it is supposed, were slain, not for man's food at the time, but for sacrifice, to typify Christ, the great sacrifice, for man's sin. Adam and Eve made for themselves aprons of fig leaves, a covering far too narrow narrow for them to wrap themselves in. Isaiah 28, verse 20. End of quote. Such are the rags of our own righteousness, but God made them coats of skin, large, strong, durable, and fit for them. Such is the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, put ye on Jesus Christ. The passage noted by Matthew Henry in Isaiah 20, A20 speaks of humanity's insufficiency before God. The fig leaves a human effort will not do and cannot please God. This truth is echoed throughout the Bible. Passages such as Isaiah 53, Romans 3, 11 to 23, they repeat the sad refrain, we are sinful, God is holy, and the expression of his strange justice is wonderfully highlighted in the book of Romans. In chapter 3, the apostle lays out the painful picture of humanity's sin and the Lord's great, great salvation. Here is an excerpt from Romans chapter 3. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open, graves are tongues, practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are stripped to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they don't know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Oh, my friend, but now verse 21. But God, now apart from the law, the righteousness of God is known, to which the law and the prophets testified. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and come short to the glory of God. Just Jesus laid down his life for the forgiveness we need. He became the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Can you hear Jesus saying, as recorded in John chapter 3, verse 14, 
Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. The coats of skin of Genesis 3 is a picture of the Son of God upon the cross, upon the cross. But oh, we'll not leave him on the cross. The animal slain in the Garden of Eden was only a type, a shadow. All of the Old Testament worship sacrifices repeated that death. But this man, this man Jesus, when he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. It is that same Jesus who on the cross had said, It is finished. He became the Lamb of God who is able to set you free from the bondage of sin today. He saves from time for time and for eternity. Will you trust him? Will you make him your Savior today? Or would I like to close our contemplation with the observation that just as God identified Adam's and Eve's sin in the garden and clothed them, so God today identifying our sinful nature our helplessness has made a way. He reads in Romans 3 that God, the just judge, provided a righteousness for our lost humanity through the sacrifice of his Son. That is strange justice indeed, and you can be a recipient by crying out to God right now in confession. God is calling out for you. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478.